Welcome to the Modern Merriman Podcast with Tom Hicks and John DeVito. Modern Merriman is a podcast on the Man of God Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. We're hosting weekly conversation on the law and the gospel so that church leaders and Christian lay people will rightly divide the word of truth. Hey, Tom, it's good to see you again. Hey, John, great to see you too, brother. And uh, we want to begin by making an announcement that uh, after a year of podcasting, we've decided to end Modern Merriman for the time being. Why? Well, uh, we believe we have covered the major areas of discussion on the law and the gospel, and we hope that those listening now have the basic tools from which they can continue to develop their understanding of God's Word. And so we want to take this opportunity to thank Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary for allowing us to record these discussions, and we're grateful for the seminary's commitment to the Second London Baptist Confession of 1689, as well as having a law gospel orientation in their training. We also want to thank so many of you for listening to our podcast. You know, when we started, we had no idea of how many people would appreciate our theological conversations. Uh, But many of you have reached out to us with encouragement and let us know how beneficial our episodes have been to you. And Tom, let me uh, share one recent example with you, brother. Uh, I was at a a gathering with a man who uh, came up to me and has really appreciated our podcast. And uh, so he, he, he came up to me, introduced himself, uh, encouraged me with, with, with uh, just some comments. Uh, but his wife was around. And uh, so uh, he's like, hey, let me, let me introduce you to my wife. And so uh, he, he pulls his wife close by and, and says to her, let me introduce you to John. And he said, uh, wh- whenever I want to tune you out and I put my headphones on, uh, this is the podcast I'm listening to. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I appreciate his heart. Uh, if you're listening, brother, uh, hopefully everything's going well in your marriage. Uh, but uh, I, 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 we are thankful for, for all of you who listen to us. Um, but for those who haven't listened to all of our episodes or would like to hear them again, Uh, The Man of God Network is planning to post them again in the future so you can listen to them and benefit from them. Uh, But we do want to spend some time reflecting on uh, the the different conversations we've had and and our ongoing conversations on the Lama Gospel. So, uh, Tom, really to, you know, begin as we spend some time thinking about our podcast, what would you say are some of the most important themes that we have covered this season? Yeah, well, I think the most basic themes we've covered include several things, but one I would mention first is the Bible's covenants, which Mm -hmm. relate to the law and the gospel. You know, the Bible, our tradition, and the Scripture yields this information itself. If you use New Testament priority, then what you see is the Bible is about covenants, and uh, it's structured around the covenants. And we've discussed that the three major covenants are the covenant of works, the covenant of redemption, and the covenant of grace. And these covenants are tied to the relationship between the law and the gospel. And so we, you know, we emphasize that the covenant of works is the law as a covenant. And mm-hmm. the covenant of redemption is the gospel as a promise. And the covenant of grace is the gospel as a covenant. And you can go back into earlier episodes and listen to us unpack uh, those covenants. Uh, But they're vital to understanding the whole of Scripture and uh, also to living our lives. Um, I would also say a a proper 
uh, understanding of the biblical covenants leads to a clear uh, grasp of the distinction between law and gospel and justification, and the continuity between the gospel and the law and sanctification. So just to briefly summarize what I mean by that is that the heart of the law gospel distinction is in justification. So there's Mm -hmm. two basic ways to be justified. You can obey the law perfectly for your own justification. That's the law as a covenant, which is impossible because we're sinners and we cannot do that because we're all fallen in Adam. Uh, So the only way to be justified is through the gospel. And the gospel says Christ obeys the law perfectly in your place for your justification and you receive justification by faith only. And so that's the law gospel contrast or distinction, which is in justification. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the law gospel continuum says that under grace, because we're already justified, we are free and, and also obligated to keep God's good law out of love for Christ and love for others in our sanctification with a goal of knowing Christ more and glorifying him. So that's an essential theme is a biblical covenants and the distinction between law and gospel. It's rooted historically in our confession of faith. It's also, you know, rooted in, in the best of the tradition and the theologians who wrote about these matters. Um, But another essential theme that we covered relates to the difference between legal obedience and gospel obedience. So there are, this is beginning to practically apply the covenants and the law and the gospel and, and how we live in light of this. But there are two ways that people try to be Christian and, and really two ways people try to be at all that are fault that one is one is false and one is uh, the right way but the first way is legal obedience mm-hmm. so some professing christians uh, try to obey god's commandments outwardly or they make up laws of their own that are easy enough for them to obey and then they keep them and they feel righteous because of their obedience so they soften god's law or they keep their own law and feel righteous for that. And that's what legalism is. Legalists minimize God's law and add to it uh, to keep it and to feel righteous. And it's important to note here, antinomians do the same thing. They Mm -hmm. follow the law of their own hearts to feel righteous. And both legalists and antinomians are involved in legal obedience. They work for righteousness. Mm -hmm. uh, And that's false Christianity. If you do that with, you know, if you modify God's law or add to it, or if you're just a pagan and you're living in one of these two modes, some other religious system for your righteousness or, you know, whatever your heart tells you for your righteousness, it's all legalism Mm -hmm. and it's, that's legal Christianity, but true Christianity renders gospel obedience. Mm -hmm. And so what this means is that we obey Christ not to make ourselves righteous, Rather, we obey Christ out of love for him because he's already made us righteous. Mm -hmm. So this leads to a motive of love instead of self-righteousness, pride, being right, setting yourself apart from others. You know, it's rather Christ has said you're righteous because of what he has done. And now you can love him. You can approach him. He's proven his love for you. And so he wins your love for him. He bought you with a price. And so he wins your love to him. And so in the gospel, 
Based on his promises of life and his assurance of love for us, we can willingly keep his commandments even when it's hard, and especially when it's hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Legalism is a weak motive. Gospel Mm -hmm. obedience will bear the cross even unto death. Uh, Because gospel obedience isn't proud, it's not self-righteous, self-seeking, like antinomianism and legalism are. Rather, gospel obedience is humble, loving, sincere, fervent, patient, persevering, and strong, and it uses God's good law as a guide. Mm. Um, So that would be a second theme, is this really important difference between legal and gospel obedience. But a final Mm. theme that we tried to cover is that every blessing we receive uh, comes to us in Christ, in the gospel, or in the gospel covenant. Mm. And so what that means is we don't do anything or try to perform any works outside of Christ to get into him. We don't Mm. work for Christ or for his graces. We don't perform or behave or, or try to change or clean ourselves up outside of Christ in order to get into him. And we don't try to do works to retain Christ or to stay in his gracious covenant. All that's impossible. Why? Because you're either in Christ or you're in Adam. And if you're in Adam, you're condemned and uh, there's none righteous and none good. You can't do any inherently good work uh, with respect to God. Uh, so, So instead, what we try to emphasize is that every grace we receive is in Christ. In the covenant of grace, we receive the graces of faith, of repentance, of sanctification, and perseverance in union with Jesus, in vital covenantal union with him. These are all gifts and graces of the covenant of grace, which is unconditional and free. So, Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> well, I would ask you too now, John, um, mm-hmm. for as you reflect on the law and the gospel and this theology that we've been considering and discussing together here over this past year, how would you say that the law gospel theology can help pastors in ministry? Since our main audience is pastors in training and pastors, what would you mm-hmm. say to them? Yeah, well, I mean, of course, there are many ways that I could answer the question. Uh, many of our episodes really address it from different perspectives, but I'd like to answer it in terms of how pastors can apply the law and the gospel to our personal lives as we minister. Um, and, and let me share a few thoughts. Uh, first, uh, the, the law leads us to rightly assess our faithfulness uh, because, you know, pastoral ministry is a high and holy calling, mm. which is why we read on uh, James 3, 1, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. And uh, this is why we then need both the character and the competency necessary to serve as elders or pastors, which are laid out for us, of course, in 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, 1 Peter 5. Um, and, and throughout the New Testament, especially in the pastoral epistles, we're given various commands to carry out as we shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. And uh, this means we have God's moral law, which reveals mm-hmm. to us uh, as Christians God's will for how we should live. And we also have God's positive law, which revealed to us our specific responsibilities as pastors of local churches. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this then is why the Apostle Paul writes First uh, Timothy 4, 16, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them from doing this. You'll save both yourself and those who hear you. Of course, it doesn't mean that we earn our salvation or the salvation of others through our ministry. 
but that our ministry is the means through which God will save us and others. Um, but but, but there, there's a real danger that we can compromise rather than continue our ministry. That's what, that's, that's what Paul's looking at, right? That's what he's, what he's writing about, because we struggle with our own sin and, and against Satan who opposes us in our ministry, which is why we must take heed to ourselves and to the doctrine or keep a close watch on ourselves and, and on the teaching. So how do we do this? Well, uh, of course, through God's moral law, including his commands uh, of, of, of his positive law that he has given to us as pastors. And uh, this, this then means two things. Uh, first, that we're freed from the false ministry expectations of success or fruitfulness or effectiveness. And of course, how prevalent those are today, right? How, how large our churches are, how much money we're bringing in, how many ministries we have for different ages and stages of life. Um, but our, our faithfulness may not lead to numerical growth or large mm. budgets or social Amen. influence. Um, but the result of our ministry is in the Lord's hands, and they must not become a new law for us to meet. Um, but, 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 but secondly, uh, when, when we recognize this, then we receive grace by regularly coming to Christ through repentance for our personal sins and our ministry sins. So that when, when, when we fail to carry out our ministry responsibilities, we don't wallow in our sin or, or start writing a resignation letter for our failure. But we bring them to the cross of Christ for forgiveness Amen. and cleansing. And we repent and seek to be reconciled with those whom we may have offended. Right. Hmm. So God's law then reveals how we fall short in our lives and in our ministry and then leads us to the gospel for a free and fresh provision of Christ's grace to continue serving him as pastor. And, and uh, so, you know, that, that, that's something that, that I think is helpful for us to recognize. But, but then another, another thought I've had as I've been reflecting on, on, on this and, and thinking on this question is uh, that through this law gospel theology, we find our identity in Christ rather than in being a pastor. Amen. And this is always a temptation for us, isn't it? I mean, we, we assess our relationship with God by our ministry for him. Uh, mm. we, we, we desire the affirmation of others or the approval of others in our churches. And so our identity then becomes wrapped up in our ministry. And the result then is that our, our joy and happiness in life are, are become measured by how our ministry is going. But of course, this is a miserable way to live and leads to us focusing on ourselves or on our performance rather than on Christ. Uh, because, of course, it's, it, it's the gospel that establishes our ministry in Christ and we're united to him by grace through faith. So who we are in Christ does not depend on us or on what we do or don't do, but is found in him and what he has done for us. Amen. Which is why I love, I love one of my favorite verses in all of scripture, uh, Galatians 2.20, where, where the Apostle Paul speaks of his identity in Christ. Those great words that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And of course, you can think of all the things then that, that this identity in Christ uh, freed the Apostle Paul to do. All, all the hardships, all the, the, the suffering, all the setbacks, you know, all the, the controversies uh, that happened. Uh, his, his identity was declared 
in Christ and in Christ alone, which gave him freedom and, and gives all of us freedom in ministry, uh, the, the, this freedom that we have in Christ, so that our identity in him gives us the freedom to find our joy in him rather than in ourselves or, or in our ministry, and we have the liberty to be humble and honest with our sins and failures then, right? So we can bring them to God in repentance, trust that he will use us as his imperfect servants in ministry and empower us with his Holy Spirit to carry out our ministry in his strength, however difficult it may become or whatever fruit we do or we don't see from it. Um, but but there's, there's one more thing I, I, I want to mention. I know I've been talking more than normal, but um, when, when I think of law gospel theology as it applies to to uh, the pastor's life and ministry, uh, it, 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 it reminds us that the scripture provides us with the boundaries of our pastoral ministry. That, that really our shepherding is limited to the law and the gospel as we rightly divide the word of truth with the Bible as our sufficient standard for what our ministry includes and involves. So in our public and private ministry, we expose sin through the law and then point people to Christ through the gospel for their salvation and their sanctification, which is then guided by the laws, as you mentioned earlier. And so when we preach, this is our message. And when we counsel, we're limited to what God's word says, because it's God's word uh, or, or God's law in his word. It's, it's God's law that guides the believer, not our own thoughts or opinions. So we cannot ask a church member to do what is not revealed in scripture. Uh, we, we cannot bully our church into following our leadership uh, beyond anything <laughs> our scripture reveals. <laughs> and since scripture then provides us with the boundaries of our pastoral ministry, this means that our pastoral responsibilities are limited to what God has given us to do. <laughs> uh, the, the truth is, as, as you well know, Tom, we're not experts in everything. <laughs> and we shouldn't act as if we are. I, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a politician. The Bible does not equip me to enter into these special fields or, or, or these vocational callings. Now, of course, where God's word does speak into these areas of life, we too must speak. Mm -hmm. And so we will address issues of morality and ethics in our society and mm -hmm. in, in, in our churches. But we should not wade into whatever cultural controversies may be going on in our communities or in our country. We, we should not feel guilty when we don't get involved in areas that we're simply not equipped to handle. Hmm. And, and, and I think all of that comes through this, this, this understanding uh, of, of this, this biblical understanding of, of the law and the gospel. Yeah, we are ministers of the word of God and are to preach it. Amen, brother, as distinguished in law and gospel. Hmm. Uh, I have another question for you, though. Sure, sure. And, you know, just... It, in your own experience as a mm -hmm. pastor, how has the Bible's law gospel theology helped you? Mm. Well, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I really have been thinking about this a lot lately since uh, after several months of, of prayer and discussion and seeking counsel from other pastors, uh, my church decided this past Sunday to close at the end of the year. And uh, it, of course, it's, it, it's sad. Uh, to see a congregation that you love so dearly come to the place where we think it's best to disband. It's difficult to work through all of the thoughts and emotions that come when I consider my ministry at our church over the last several years. But where, where I've really 
struggled and wrestled is is with a temptation to to see my ministry as a failure. Uh, you know, all, all kinds of questions and doubts and critiques enter my mind, and I can also struggle with feelings of hurt and and sorrow and regret. But th th this then is how the, the law and the gospel becomes personal to me, mm. as I've been seeking to really apply what what I just spoke of in when you asked that last question, right? Uh, th that as I consider my ministry at Cornerstone, I, I've been spending much time reflecting on uh, how my life and my ministry measure up to God's word. I mean, when have I failed to do what God has called me to do as a pastor? Mm. When have I done what God has not told me to do as a pastor? And, and while this has been a painful assessment in many ways, it's also proven to be a gracious opportunity for me to confess my sins to God in repentance, to receive his forgiveness in love through Christ. And uh, th this, this, this has also, Tom, helped me from a, a false guilt, mm. you know, where, where I'm not measuring myself by, by those other standards that, that, that frankly are so common today. Mm. Um, uh, and, and, and it keeps me from despairing over my true guilt since I have that immediate access to the cross of Christ that I can quickly run to, to Christ for, for his grace and, and, and again, forgiveness and cleansing. And, and, and so this is really the, the beauty of the gospel applied to my heart mm. as I preach the gospel to myself in, in the midst of, uh, you know, pastoring and, and pastoring a church that, that is, 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 is now preparing to close. And uh, so, you know, when I, when, I, when I look to the gospel with Christ as my savior, my joy is found in him. Uh, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness through the gospel uh, and, and know that my pastoral ministry was not in vain. You know, um, I'm grateful for however he ha has used me and is using me as a pastor. And I'm thankful for the fruit that I've been able to see through my ministry. And, and, and there has been fruit for which I'm uh, amazed that, he, that, that the Lord gave me the privilege of um, being, being a, a part of um, for, for his glory. So, so really, my, my identity in Christ frees me to uh, go through this season and uh, to continue serving him as I'm guided then by his law in, in scripture, whatever may come when my current pastoral ministry comes to an end. So that's just, just a, a few of the thoughts I've had uh, recently, brother. Amen, brother. Thank you for sharing those. Absolutely. Well, you know, let, let me turn it back over to you then and, and ask how has uh, the Bible's uh, law gospel theology here helped you in, in your ministry experience? Yeah, I, I would say it's helped me. Um, in terms of my public ministry and private mm. and private ministry, as well as in my own heart, but of mm. uh, just considering public ministry and my preaching, uh, the Bible's law gospel theology is rooted in its covenantal hermeneutic, which we discussed mm. earlier. And so this hermeneutic has deeply impacted the way I preach so that in every sermon, I, I try to exegete and expound the text in front of me, grammatical, historical, uh, exegesis. But then I consider how that passage relates to the, the overall theology of the Bible, mm -hmm. uh, which is structured in terms of law and gospel and, and centered on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the center 
of God's revelation to men. And so I try to preach that way and then seek to apply the text to exhort God's people uh, and the thunderings of the law, the promises of the gospel, and the duties, their responsibilities of gospel obedience with proper gospel motives. And so I come mm-hmm. to a text thinking not just of that particular text in front of me, but trying to keep in mind the whole counsel of God, which is the context for that particular text. Yes. Um, it's also changed the way I counsel people in counseling. If their problem is spiritual and not physical, mm-hmm. then the issue is always one of uh, worship. And my goal is to remind God's people of his good law and the, the promises of the gospel and how to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus and repent where they need to and in light of the uh, the gospel promises and the commands of the law. So it has deeply changed and it touches every part of my uh, ministry. Um, but Amen. it's also, yeah. it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, you mentioned uh, the, the, how, how it's also changed you personally. Um, it has right. before I understood the Bible's teaching about the law and the gospel and the centrality mm-hmm. of Christ. I thought it was a pastor's job to make persuasive enough arguments to change people's minds, to uh, make them more holy, to get them to be better Christians, and 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 to wield almost a, a personal authority that mm. you know of skill and power and capacity to get people to do things and think right and you know act right and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the doctrine of the law and the gospel means that my that as a pastor, my calling is to tell the truth to God's people in love and trust Mm -hmm. Christ with the outcome. My responsibility is to hold out the Lord Jesus and his good law and his precious promises to pray for them, to love them and to serve them. In other words, my responsibility as a pastor is to keep God's good law under the gospel as a man of grace towards the church, no matter how they respond. Mm -hmm. And so that means I shouldn't get angry or anxious at how people respond to my ministry. It means I shouldn't try to control them. Uh, Rather, I should continue to take up my cross and serve them and keep telling them the truth and love no matter what they do. Mm. And that you can do that. I can do that because my righteousness doesn't depend on how sanctified my church is. Mm -hmm. My righteousness doesn't depend on how others respond to my ministry or how popular my ministry is. Mm. My righteousness is in Christ, and my job is to love Him and love others living upon the righteousness of Christ with his good law as my guide. Mm. And so th- there, that is just a summary of how the law gospel um, hermeneutic has impacted my, my ministry and my life as a minister. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that with me, brother. I know it's impacted mine in, in many ways as well as, and uh, I'm sure we could continue talking about these things, but, mm. but uh, hopefully we've, we've been able to, to develop a, a, a taste and a desire for people to continue in their studies of these issues and, 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 and seeing them more clearly. And I, of course uh, we're avid readers and we like to recommend books and have done so in previous episodes, but uh, just, just for those who are listening today, what, what would you say are some books that, that you recommend to read here on uh, the, you know, the marrow, the, the law and the gospel? Yes. Well, we have recommended these in previous episodes, but I'll mention some of the ones we've mentioned previously here again on this final podcast, but mm. I highly recommend the modern, the marrow of modern divinity by Edward Fisher. And mm. you want to get the one that has Thomas Boston's notes in it. And it's an excellent 
work. I highly commend it. I mean, I don't agree with everything in there, and I wouldn't think that anyone would agree with every every single word. And yet, the overall thrust of that work is is fantastic, and the way it's communicated is um, is very useful. So I commend that highly to you. I, that should be on your bucket list of reading. <laughs> you know that if you're going to mm-hmm. read certain books before you die, this should be on your list. Read the Mirror of Modern Divinity by Edward Fisher. And hey, I think it'd be great uh, for um, you know elders to go through together and have fruitful discussions. You know, yeah. In fact, uh, I think you and I went through that. Yeah, years ago, something like what, fifteen <laughs> years ago, maybe. Probably, or, uh, but it's, yeah. it's 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 probably worth us doing again, brother. <laughs> probably so, yes. But also, John Cahoon's book, spelled mm-hmm. like Colquhoun, a treatise on the law and the gospel. It's excellent. It outlines yeah. the the classic marrow view of the relation between the law and the gospel. Here again, you may not agree with every little jot and tittle of it, but the overall thrust and the structure is uh, is sound and is mm-hmm. historical. Um, mm-hmm. Stephen Ting's work is another great book. He, oh, yeah. This is a series of lectures that he preached or taught, and uh, they were assembled into a book, and it's titled Lectures on the Law and the Gospel, which is also excellent. And then yes. finally, I recommend Samuel Bolton's book, uh, The True Bounds of Christian Freedom, which is the one I first read on this subject. Mm-hmm. So True Bounds was where I sort of cut my teeth on law gospel issues, it's not an easy read. It's a Puritan mm. paperback. You know, it's, it's, it's not, he doesn't write like we do, but if you're, you know, willing to roll up your sleeves and, and plow all the way through it, it I promise that book will bear uh, wonderful fruit in your mind mm. and heart. Um, so those Amen. are the ones I would recommend. Amen. Those, those are all excellent. Uh, read them all. Uh, I knew you'd have to, I knew you'd have to throw in Bolton <laughs> of course, for, for a good reason. It's, it's, it's an excellent read. Uh, and, and well, all, all that you mentioned T- Tings, I, I really think is, is, is easy to understand as well. So mm, I, I found that one, true. uh, to, uh, especially to encourage those who, who may not, you know, uh, get into some of the, uh, some of the theological concepts as, as, as much as others is just kind and of more of a, another good book on yeah. the pastoral ministry. So if you look mm. up this one, you may see mentioned there, like if you go to Amazon or whatever, and you look up Stephen K- Ting, T Y N G, not Stephen King, Stephen Ting lectures on the law and the gospel. You'll find uh, a book that he wrote on the Christian pastor is the title mm. of it. And that's, it's a, t- it's a small book, but it's also a collection of very short lectures I, I, I would guess it's probably no more than a hundred a little somewhere around a hundred pages mm. pretty thin uh, but but very worthy of reading so I, I commend that one highly as well mm. great Tom well again brother it's been a, a, a just really a, a joy to to have spend this season with you uh, with these discussions so of course thank you for for this time together. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Modern Marymon Podcast from the Man of God Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. If you'd like to know more about CBTS, please visit us online at cbtseminary.org.